What are you up to? I'm just, I don't know. I guess I'm just trying to find the right song to show Sarah how I feel. Sarah? She's in my math class. Oh, I see. Tape. I made several of these for your mother over the years. Maybe you can find some jams in there that'll help you out. This is perfect. Thanks, Dad. Shelter of song. 
Now, I realize that there might be some people here today who may not understand the true power of a mixtape. If you didn't grow up in the 70s or the 80s, you may not understand that this was a way to a woman or a man's heart. You had to put some effort into it because we didn't have CD players or Spotify or anything that can make a digital playlist. If you wanted to make the most epic and rad playlist, it took some effort you had to put some time and attention into it. It usually involved you going down, down to a store to buy a little plastic cassette that looked like this. And then on this cassette would have been 60 minutes of bliss that you had to plan out perfectly. On one side was 30 minutes and then you had to flip the tape over for the other 30 minutes. So you'd sit down and you'd plan out every single second of your tape. Now, if you had an excellent record collection, this became very, very easy. But if you were cheap or you were a tightwad, the way that you would make a mixtape is by listening for songs on the radio, which sometimes took all day long. You would sit there and wait and wait and wait for that song to play. But some of us got a little smart. We realized that there were request shows on the radio that you could call in and you could request your song. So you'd call into the DJ and you'd say, hey, can you play that song, Every Rose Has Its Thorn by Poison? Or can you play Time After Time by Cindy Lauper? When you're lost in your heaven, I will be waiting. Oh yeah, it's that good. You would request whatever song you wanted and the DJ would play it. Now, if the DJ talked too much, it would ruin your tape. If they cut the song off early, it would ruin your tape as well, and you would lose your shot at winning the heart of the woman that you loved. We were so stupid in the 80s. I mean, we thought that a piece of plastic was our window into a good relationship. And today we're starting this brand new series all about mixtape. And we're talking about what does it take to have a relationship that absolutely soars. Because God never wanted us to settle for just being roommates, right? He wanted us to be soulmates. He wanted us to have this level of intimacy in our relationship where we're just so close. That we understand what the other person wants, that the, what the other person needs. And that's what this series is all about, how to have a great relationship. And we have to start at the very beginning. We have to start at the very beginning in this entire message series on how do you find that right man or girl to be with for the rest of your life. Now, some of you are thinking, crud. I mean, I'm already married. This has nothing for me, which isn't really an ego boost for the person sitting right next to you right now. 
Because every single one of us has some things that we can learn on how to have a better relationship. Now, I have to be honest with you up front. I wasn't really a smooth operator when it came to the ladies. I know many of you are in shock and awe over that. I'm shocked as well. But sometimes I would go on a date and it wouldn't really go the way that I had planned it. For instance, there was this time where I finally got the nerve up to ask this really pretty girl out. And I was so excited about the date that I planned it out perfectly. I made reservations at her favorite restaurant. Then I planned a nice drive down the beach. And to make the the, the meeting and the date even better, I asked my sister, who had a 55 Chevy, if I could borrow her car. And I was like, Carrie, I'm going on this amazing date, and I have a really cool sister. She was like, sure, you can borrow the 55 Chevy. So that night came, and I had planned it all out perfectly, and so put on the outfit, put on the cologne, made sure that everything was just right. Picked up my sister's 55 Chevy, and I start driving to the girl's house. Well, as I'm driving, I notice that the car is almost out of gas. So I pull over to this gas station, and a funny thing happened in the gas station. You see, new cars have this amenity that when you're filling up that gas tank, it stops filling. But in the great year 1955, they did not have this amenity. So when the car filled up with gas, gasoline sprayed out all over my perfect outfit. And so I ran in from the pump and I'm like in the bathroom and I'm like scrubbing myself. I'm trying to get the gasoline out, but nothing worked. I smelled like an all-subs gas station and there was nothing I could do about it. I mean, no amount of cologne, no amount of Tic Tacs was taking the smell away. There was nothing I could do. So I went and I picked the girl up. And she's not saying anything about the gasoline the whole time while we're driving and while we're eating and everything. And I'm thinking, I am stoked. Things are great with this girl. But finally, we're driving down by the beach in the car. And she's like, do you you smell gasoline? And so I'm like, yeah, it's just an old car. They leak gasoline all the time. I was just happy she didn't light a cigarette because the whole date would have gone up in flames, folks. But I didn't make all the, the best decisions when I was younger. But one decision that I did make right was when I married my wife, Laura, 17 years ago. I remember standing in front of my family and in front of my friends and marrying the woman of my dreams. And I have to be honest with you folks, after 17 years of marriage, it just keeps getting better. Because my wife and I, we have this level of intimacy that I, that I haven't seen very often in relationships. And I want the same for you in your relationships, that you would have that level of intimacy. You see, the second most uh, important decision that you'll ever make in life is on who you'll marry. The first most important decision that you'll ever make is what you do with Jesus that can make or break you. The second after that is who you'll marry. Now, if you blow that first decision, you will go to hell. If you blow the second decision... Hell starts now. (laughs) This is so important. And it's so important that you start your relationships well. So if you're dating, if you're single, this message is for you on how you find that perfect person. Here's where it all starts. Number one, 
before you can find the right person, you have to become the right person. Before you can find that right person, you have to start by becoming that right person. I love the story that Andy Stanley tells, and Andy Stanley is the pastor at North Point Church in Atlanta. He shares a story about a girl who grew up in a Christian home. But after she graduated, she went away to college. And it's the same story that you hear oftentimes that when a Christian kid sometimes go to col- goes to college, they kind of go their own way. And this girl did just that. She started drinking and she started partying and that just led to more and more partying. After that, she got caught up in drugs. And then she cycled from guy to guy to guy. It kept just getting worse. But here's the interesting thing about this girl. She always knew that she wanted to pursue her relationship with God. She always knew that one day she was going to settle down and she was hopeful that one day she'd meet a godly man and that they would have one day a Christian home. She always held out hope that that would happen, but until that day came, she just wanted to live whatever way she wanted. Well, this one day, she's standing outside the student union building, and her friend introduces her to this guy. And this guy is like the man of her dreams. He's godly. He has this deep relationship with God. In fact, he's sharing Jesus with other people. He's very driven. He's got a career that he's pursuing, and he wants to honor God in his, re- in his relationships. So this girl is like, man, I'm kind of interested in this guy. So she starts spending more and more time with him, and the more time she spends with him, the more she starts falling for him. Well, a few weeks later, she goes home to see her parents. And when she's at home, she's gushing as a college student. She can't wait to tell her mom all about this guy and how godly he is. And then finally she looks at her mom and she says, Mom, I I think I want to tell this guy how I feel about him. And the mom kind of frowns a little bit. She looks at her daughter and she says, Honey, I want to be loving, but I also want to be very honest with you. If this guy is as good as you've made him sound... I'm pretty sure that this guy would never want to be with a girl like you. Ouch. We all hurt when we hear that story. Why? Because we know it's true. You are going to attract the person that you are like today. And if you want to meet the right person, you have to become the right person. If you want to be around that spouse who slept around with a multiple of different partners, 10 plus By all means, go be that type of person. If you want to be with that person who drinks and parties all the time and spends time at the the bar, then by all means, go be with that person. But there's some sad news for you if you choose that lifestyle. If you choose a lifestyle where God is not at the very center of your relationship, the statistics are staggering. In fact, most marriages that live that way, of them, 54% end up in a divorce. That means that you've got a 50% shot of getting a divorce if you start out that way. But here's what I also know. Those marriages that are centered on God, those marriages where the couple read the Bible together and they pray together, they spend time going to church, they spend time leaning into their relationship with God, they have a 99% success rate. Why is that? That's because of what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, Jesus says, Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That means doing life God's way. And all these things will be added unto you 
as well. So what does Jesus say? He says, seek first the kingdom of God. Don't seek that guy. Don't seek that girl. Don't seek that sexual experience. No, seek first the kingdom of God. And all these things will come along to you as well if you put God first. So how is it that we can put God first? How is it that we can seek his kingdom? Well, Jesus was actually asked the same question. He was asked the question, what's worth living, giving your life to? What should you pursue? How do you live a life of purpose without any regrets? Well, Jesus didn't hesitate on his answer to that question. In fact, we find that answer in Luke chapter 10, verse 27. It says this, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. If you want to seek God where it starts is you got to love God with all of your heart. you got to love God with your heart. That means that you're pursuing the things of God, that you have a passion to live for God. Then it says love God with your soul. That means that you allow God to give you this inner peace from having a relationship with him, from knowing him as a friend who sticks closer than a brother. What is it to love God with all your strength? It means that you love God with your actions, with your deeds, with the things that you do. When those things honor God, you are seeking him first. What does it mean to love God with your mind? It means to think about him, to think about things that are pure, things that are noble, things that are lovely, things that are praiseworthy, things that are excellent. You should think on those things. Those are the ways that we can move out of this style of thinking. So I have to ask you, what are you pursuing in your life? Are you pursuing God with everything that you have and everything that you are? Or are you just pursuing the guy or the gal? You see, you should pursue God first. Now, let me talk to the married couples. If married couples, if you want to take your relationship to the whole new level, I would encourage you to put God at the very center of your relationship and don't settle for anything else. You should focus in on him as a married couple. So let me check with you to see where you're at. Do you pray together as a couple? Do you read the Bible? Do you spend time considering how God might want you to make a decision? Is knowing Christ impacting the way that you treat one another? Are you mean? Are you angry with one another? Or are you pursuing Christ? You see, because if your relationship with God is nothing more than just one hour a week, when you come to church or you tune into this broadcast, I got bad news for you. Your relationship with one another is also going to be affected by that. But when you put God first, when you put him at the center of your relationship, you're going to have a connection both with God and the other person where you become soulmates. You begin to seek God with everything that's within you and then you refuse to settle. It changes your relationship. And one of the reasons why I think many of us are so uncomfortable about where we're at in our marriage is because we've refused to put God at the very center. I love this quote, though, and here's what it says. It says, if you want something different from what everyone else has, then you're going to have to do something different than what everyone else does. And what if that was pursuing God? What if that was pursuing your relationship with God first? If you want that spouse one day who loves Jesus more than anything else in this world, then you've got to love Jesus that way right now at this moment. You've got to seek him daily. You've got to spend time in his word. And if you want that marital relationship where God is at the very center, 
that takes effort as well. You've got to focus on God and you've got to be intentional about what you do. You've got to spend time in the word together as a couple and praying together as a family. That's how you focus on God. That's how you allow him to be the center of your relationship. But let me give you some very practical things that you can do to seek first his kingdom. I believe it takes reading the Bible daily and then maybe even memorizing one of those verses in scripture. And we make that easy for you as a church because we have a Bible reading plan that you can get on the app. We have a daily devotional that we write that talks about everything that we share on the week. And that's available on the Sagebrush app. So you spend time reading the word. I also would encourage you to spend time praying about your relationship. Pray both for that person who might be coming into your life or pray for your spouse right now in your marital relationship. I would encourage you to get into a small group. Find a small group where you can share honestly about what's going on in your life, where they can keep you accountable to living out some of these principles. And personally, I love my small group because the guys who are in my small group with me, they really keep me accountable. They walk with me through life. They pray for me when I'm down and when I'm hurting. Man, I love being a part of a small group. Further than that, we would encourage you to serve in a ministry. Now, let me talk to all the single people. If you want to meet a lady who loves Jesus, if you're a guy, if you are a gal who wants to meet a man who loves Jesus, you have to serve in a ministry. And this isn't just a plug for you to get involved at Sagebrush, okay? But I would say, man, if you want to find a godly person, you're going to find them around our church serving. Honestly, that's how I met my wife. One of the first dates that I ever went on with Laura was on a date with like 40 middle school kids to go to Chuck E. Cheese and ice skating. And she stuck with me. I can't believe it. But because of that, man, that grew our heart together where we were serving the Lord together. And that started to build our relationship. Here's what I know. If you pursue Jesus with everything that's within you, God will work out all the rest. If you follow after him and you say, I'm going to love God with every ounce of my being, God will bring the right person in your life. You just trust him for what's next. So before you meet the right person or find that right person, you've got to become the right person. The second thing that you have to do is you have to refuse to settle. You've got to refuse to settle. Now, as a pastor, I see so many people who settle in their relationships. And oftentimes it's a person who's a committed follower of Jesus Christ who falls in love with someone who's not on the same page. And they usually always come in here to church because they eventually want to get married and they have a conversation with me about their story. And typically the girl comes in and she's so excited about the guy. And she wants to tell me her love story. And so she starts telling the story with just dripping with details. I mean, it gives Nicholas Sparks a run for his money, the author of The Notebook. She's like, you'll never believe this. I was walking down the street and his number blew into my hand. It was on a piece of paper and it was definitely from God. And then I always ask the question, well, tell me about his relationship with God. Does he know Jesus Christ? Does he come to our church? And that's usually when they get very, very quiet. And then they start doing these verbal gymnastics about the other person. They say, oh, oh, well, he's just a nice guy. I mean, he's such a nice guy. 
And his parents, oh, his parents, his parents, Andrew, they go to church. They're committed to God. Then they say, oh, you know what? Every time we see a little old lady walking across the street, he stops the car and he walks her across the road. And this one time when we were stuck in traffic, I'm pretty sure I heard him pray. That's what they say. And then they usually ask me, do you think that's good enough? They're almost asking me as a pastor to settle along with them. But I have to be honest with you folks. I can never settle on this one. This one is the most important for me as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's so important that my wife is on the same page with me about what I believe about Jesus. Because Jesus is the one who gave everything up for me in dying on the cross. He's my friend. He's the one who sticks closer than a brother. He's always cheering for me. He always has my best interests in mind. He's always there for me, even when everybody else lets me down. He's my best friend. And I can't allow that person to come into my life who doesn't believe the same things that I believe about Jesus. The Bible says this very clearly in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. It asks this question. It says this, can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? See that verbal picture? Two people walking in the same direction without agreeing on which way they would go. Then Jesus reiterates this in Luke chapter 11, verse 17. He says, a house divided against itself will fall. What's Jesus bringing out? He's bringing out the importance of you being on the same page with that person that you love. That's why it's so important that you don't settle. Let's be honest, folks. Marriage is hard. Marriage is difficult. There's a lot of times where it's gonna be rough and difficult for your relationship. It could be that you run into financial hardship. It could be that you have a death of a parent. It could be that you have kids and they're crazy like my kids. And you, somebody said amen to that. I heard that, okay? You know my children. But it could be that you're gonna face hardship. And if you're not on the same page and you can't go to God together, that's gonna be really hard and difficult. I can't imagine serving at this church and going home to my wife and her not to feel the same way that I feel about Jesus. And for her to feel like, man, I don't know what he's doing or what's going on and us not being on the same page. That would be so hard and so difficult. And do you know how I know how difficult that is? I know how difficult that is because I've talked to many people who come to Sagebrush, many people who watch us online and on TV, who that's just your situation. You come to church every week and there's a vacant seat right next to you for your spouse. And your heart's desire is that one day God would soften that person's heart that they would come to church and that's what you hope and what you pray about. And if you could get up on this stage today, I know what you might say to those people who are dating, those people who are just starting out in their relationships. You would say, refuse to settle. Refuse to settle. Hold this up as the non-negotiable for your relationships that they have to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And if that is your situation where you're married to someone else who's a non-believer... I would say to you, don't give up, friend. I grew up in a home where my mom was a follower of Jesus Christ, but my dad was not. But my mom prayed for my dad for over 20 years. 
that he would enter into a relationship with Christ. And when I was seven years old, I got to see something absolutely amazing. My father became a follower of Jesus Christ. And what's better about that story is his whole life was different because of Jesus. He stopped drinking. He stopped treating my mom bad. There was so much that was different because Jesus Christ came into his life. So if you're in in that relationship right now where you're a believer and your husband or your wife is not, please pray. Pray that God would change their heart. Believe God will change them. And then you be that person who's that example. You be that follower of Christ. You lift up that relationship. You lift up your family and just wait on God to change your husband or your wife's heart. So refuse to settle. That's the next most important thing that you can do. The final thing that you have to do is this. You've got to stay pure. You've got to stay pure in your relationships. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18. It gives us this guidance. It says, uh, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a man commits out, are outside of his body. But he who sins sexually sins against his own body. Do you not know that your body is the holy temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you've received from God? You are not your own, for you were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your body. What does that passage of scripture say? It says, flee. Flee from all sexual immorality. Anything that dishonors God, you got to run away from. And so in dating relationships and relationships outside of marriage, you've got to run away from it. Why? Because your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The Bible says that you were bought with a price. And what was that price? Jesus Christ came down on this earth and he died a horrific death on the cross. And he died so that you and I could live, so we could have a relationship with God here in this life and also in the life to come. He gave everything for us. Because he gave everything for us, I think it's wise for us to give everything back in return to him. So that's staying pure. As I was preparing for this message, I found this old story by this guy named Al Denson. And he tells this story about Mandy and Brian. And Mandy and Brian had been together for about a year. And this Friday night was their anniversary. And it was also prom night. Now, Brian was a senior in high school and Mandy was a junior. They met each other about a year before at a friend's birthday party. And ever since then, they were inseparable. They wanted to talk on the phone. After school, they hung out. They were with one another all the time. Mandy was a committed follower of Jesus Christ. She went to her youth group almost every single week. She was very, very active at her church. Brian was kind of active in his church. It was a little bit more off and on. Well, nine months ago, Brian and Mandy go to this student conference. And it's at that student conference that they talk all about purity. And it was there that Brian and Mandy went forward and they made a pledge to remain virgins until they got married. Well, that was nine months ago. And after nine months of being together, the temptation got worse and worse and worse. And now it was prom night. And they were feeling all of this pressure from their friends and everyone else to go all the way. In fact, many people who were their friends had made special plans for their prom night. Prom night came on that Friday night and they went to the dance together. And afterwards, Brian had this plan. 
He took Mandy on this drive to this deserted farmhouse and he parked. And it was there that they started kissing. And they started fogging up those windows to that car. And it was then that Brian stopped and he looked at Mandy and he began to say all these special phrases that he had practiced. He began to talk about true love and showing affection. He talked about protection. He talked about doing more than what they had ever done before. And he talked about marriage. He said so many things that he would have made a scriptwriter in Hollywood jealous just by what he was saying. Here's the problem, though. Mandy, she wasn't budging at all. She wouldn't give in. After a while, Mandy said, man, Brian, you know that we made that commitment to one another and to God that we were going to stay pure. She confessed to him that she was tempted right along with him. But she said to him, I'm not having sex before I get married. She said, this is non-negotiable. I'm not doing it. So after cooler heads prevailed, Brian started the car back up and he went home. You see, Brian and Mandy's story is, is not an uncommon one. Most couples that are dating, they feel this intense pressure to go all the way, whether you've dated for a few months or for a few years. But like Brian and Mandy's story, none of us has to do it. You see, what we should be striving for in our dating relationships is sex without shame. And according to the Bible, that comes in the context of a married relationship. That was God's blueprint for sex. That's what he wanted for all of us. Sex without shame comes when we marry that man or that woman of our dreams. Let's not underestimate the consequence of doing this earlier. It affects everything. It can affect your worship. It can affect your witness, your self-worth, and one day, your wedding. A few moments of pleasure can't compare with the hurt and the pain and the shame associated with doing this. So in your dating relationships, as you pursue that man or that woman of your dreams, you got to be honest up front that you want to honor God with this relationship. And I know that you might be here today or watching this online or on TV, and it could be that you blow it. You've blown it in the past. You've made mistakes. Here's the good news about our God. Our God is a God of second chances. He can take you from whatever shameful, whatever guilty place that you're in right now, and our God can make you new. But that takes you committing your life to him and saying, God, I don't want to live that way anymore, and truly repenting. And refusing to go back on that cycle of doing this over and over and over again. If you honor God with your relationships, he's going to help you along. So how is it that you can find that man or that woman of your dreams? Start. If you want to find the right person, you've got to become the right person. Then refuse to settle. Then finally, stay pure. And if you honor God in that way one day, when you stand in front of your friends and your family in a church or up in front of an aisle, you can know that you've honored God with your relationship. And I imagine God in heaven looking down on people who make that decision and just smiling up in heaven. You see, if you honor God with your relationships, I believe God will honor you with a great marriage. Let's pray together. 
Father, thank you for this message. Lord, I know that this is a hard one to give because I know that there's some people who are out there today who are struggling with this one. God, they're struggling with their relationships because they know that they've compromised. I pray for the ones who are on that path that today might be the day that they wise up, that they get serious about you, that they put you first, God, and they pursue you with everything within them. I pray, God, for the married couples who are here, the married couples who have settled for a lackluster relationship, a relationship where they're not pursuing you, they're not pursuing the other person. Pray over the next few weeks as we go through this mixtape series, God, that you transform their marital relationships. And God, for the ones who may not know you, God, the ones who feel distant from you, who don't know you, God, like I know you, like the friend who sticks closer than a brother, pray today would be the day that they make themselves right with you. God, I pray that they'd make a decision to follow you. Father, through all this, I pray that you'd speak to every single person who's with us. I ask this in Jesus' name.